I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. Guys, it's been a rough one. Um... Last week, I told you that my dog was going to be okay, that the surgeon got all the cancer out, but unfortunately, I took her in for a checkup on Monday, and it just, the stitches didn't look great to me. She had scheduled checkup, and um, I was right. The stitches had popped open a little bit, and uh, her doctor had actually been talking to another doctor who had discovered the cancer, and uh, he wanted to run x-rays, so we ran x-rays, and we saw that she might have another another mass, and then we did a CBC blood panel, and her red blood cell count was at 9%, which isn't great. At 18%, they do transfusions. He was even shocked that we got her to the hospital, and uh, I had to say goodbye to her. And it sucked. But I thought I owed it to you to tell you what happened. Um, I've gotten some messages from you guys, and I really appreciate that. Losing an animal sucks. But they're the best things in the world, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. So that's the update. Um, It's been a rough few days. But I'm getting through um, as best as you can. And that's that. 
thank you for everybody who has sent me well wishes. It really means a lot to me. So thank you. On a lighter note, let's get to the episode and what we actually do here. Today on the show, I have Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Uh, you may remember her as uh, Sybil Shepherd's daughter in Sybil. She's in the new ABC show Big Sky, premiering November 17th. I'm super excited to see it. It looks really good. Here's my conversation with Dee Dee Pfeiffer. All right. Welcome to the show, Dee Dee. Hi. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I just was sitting here uh, procrastinating until talking to you. <laughs> and I was watching bloopers of The Office. And I don't know what it is, but every time I watch bloopers, I laugh so hard. It's like <laughs> that joy of watching other people laugh. Oh, my God. I love them, too. Trust me. I did a good one the other day on this set. I was trying to say a line that for some reason wouldn't come out of my face. And it was like serial kidnapper a serial killer and I said you know you could be jumping into a truck with a serial actress who can't remember her lines <laughs> and everybody started laughing because I was like oh my god what is wrong with me and then the best part is that when you're in those moments and you know you've totally flubbed it's so hard to get back to like yeah. the straight and narrow and do the scene because you're just laughing so hard at yourself well yeah and you know that the director and the producers and the crew are like oh that's really funny can you stop that you know you're like hold on I promise you I didn't do that on purpose you're like please just let me get my my, my head together here for a second well yeah for me too because I, I mean I took 10 years off to go to school and you know wow. get some degrees and stuff so now I'm back and I'm 56 and my brain is COVID-ish, mm -hmm. a COVID brain on top of having not been around for 10 years. And um, I forgot about like, uh, yeah, just um, for a minute, I was like, oh God, you know, like going up on your lines, you know, you really are messing up takes, takes time and da, da, da. So um, yeah. yeah, so I was like, oh God. <laughs> so I feel really bad when I go up on my lines and it's not even like I have like a huge role in this or a lot of lines. So it's like, Dee Dee. You know, but I'm like, oh my God, am I just going brain dead? Like, you know, it's it not just, like you know, it just happens. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, does. Over 30 plus years doing this and it still happens to me. So everybody out there who's starting, it's okay, man. Just, just, you know, breathe, breathe through it. And uh, yeah, just jump back on the bike and try it again. <laughs> yeah. Try not to break. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, I just beat myself up when I go up on lines. You know I mean? I, I have this, like, I hold myself to a different standard than other actors, like, like, it's okay that they go up because that happens to everybody, but not mm -hmm. me. <laughs> I should know better. You know, my brain should be, I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that. It's that it's that inner artist, though, that's yelling at you for always thinking that you're not doing something correctly. Exactly. Yeah. And no one's harder on yourself. Well, at least for me, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so hard on myself. Like, I would never talk to any other person like the way I talk to myself inside my brain. Like, yeah. I check my internal conversation and go, wow, that's not nice. <laughs> You're like, listen me, you need to stop. Yeah, like loser? Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> wow. Damn. <laughs> so you said you took 10 years off. That's that's a long time to take off. But tell me, let's go back before that. Tell me how you got started in acting and then we'll work our way up. Um, yeah. Uh Oh, that's my alarm to call you. Wow. Really late. Okay. Well, check the uh, note to self. Uh, check the alarm. Um, um, uh, oh, shoot. I should put that on moot too, because that will probably be blowing up. Um, so let's see. Actually, long story short, um, I was 
uh, blue collar family. So back in the day, work permits, child labor, all that stuff was like, oh, you know, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I started working at like 12, 11 years, 11, 12 years old. And I had numerous jobs throughout high school or actually, if you think about it, grade elementary, uh, middle school and high school. Mm. And then by the time I became 18 years old, I had kind of done a little bit of everything illegally and um, <laughs> but got bored with it. Like I would get a job and then, oh, this is great. And then get bored. So I got yeah. bored easily. And then when I was 18, I was like, like, wow, what am I going to do now? And I looked over at my sister who was doing Scarface and I thought, wow, she's really doing this thing called acting. She's doing really well. I wonder if that's fun. So I drove to LA and I said, hey, sis, you know, I think I want to try this acting thing. And she said, stop right there. <laughs> not think about getting an agent. Do not think about headshots or anything. Get your butt into um, an acting class, a good mm. one, and see from there if this is something you really want it to do or not. Smart. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, so, so <laughs> I went into the best one at the time, Peggy Fury's class called The Loft. Mm. And um, that's really going back in time. And she was the best <laughs> one at the time. And um, her and her husband, Bill Trailer. And I started, and I really kind of thought like everything else, I would start it get bored with it and probably get move on. And uh, two years later, I still was trying to figure it out. Cause to be honest, I sucked. I sucked mm-hmm. the moment I started. I didn't, I was shy. I was painful. I went up on my lines. I stuttered. I couldn't, you know, I didn't understand character study and Peggy would just beat me up. And I was, mm. I'm not quitting until I can figure this out. And I just got beat up in the process. Because <laughs> I think P- Peggy was thinking, girl, if you're going to even try to follow your sister's footsteps, who happens to be really good and successful and gorgeous, um, you better like know what you're doing. So um, they were hard on me. I mean, I got knocked around a lot back then. Um, mm. But yeah. it sounds like it just made you want to do it even more. Well, my, my dad... Looking back, I go, wow, what was what was up with me? But then my dad used to call me a hardhead. So it makes sense because yeah. it's like, I'm not going to give up until I can figure this out. So, well, I never figured it out to this day. I'm 56 <laughs> years old, 30 plus years later, and I still can't tell you I have figured it out. Um, because years later, I discovered, uh, Roy London had said this to me, another fabulous acting coach. Mm. Said words of wisdom, actually. He said, "The minute you think you have all the answers as an actor, you're done. You're done." Yeah, you know. So I thought, "Wow, what an interesting, profound thing to uh, to say." And it also emulated and paralleled my values in life, which is, you know, one must continue to grow. You know, if mm-hmm. because if you decide I have all the answers, then what you've done is put your hoofs in, and the rest of the world's going to continue on moving and changing on a daily basis, and you're right. literally going to be left behind. So um, one must be kind of mindful of that. Um, so, um, I still can't tell you, I think I left the set the other day going, Whoa, they, they offered me this role. Did, did they make a mistake? Did they, <laughs> did they mean the, were they pointing at the actress behind me? Like, oh, no. I was still like, Whoa, I still have to figure it out. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. different now than 10 years ago. Everything's really different now. And then you throw COVID in there and Whoa, then it's a whole nother thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The sets right now are, are crazy but I'm glad that everyone's taking it very seriously yeah it it says a lot about our industry and and the people that we work around um so you you come out you start going to acting class and then what was the first thing that you did what was the first job that you really booked um I actually um started interviewing again I sucked at that I was just really bad I tanked every interview god bless us now looking back that agency I don't know why they presented me (laughs) I must have had like good hair or something I don't know eventually like everything else in life I stumbled and fell and just kept getting up I'm the boxer in the ring they just keep getting hit and 
come gets back up and <laughs> figured it out eventually because I got a role and Michelle was doing Into the Night and mm-hmm. I was so excited I was like after all these years it was probably now it's maybe two years of studying and another year maybe two years and I finally scored a role so excited and then my agent calls me and goes you're SAG right and I was like oh no no that's been the big problem as you know the catch-22 can't get a yeah. SAG union interview without being in the union but you can't you know, get a union card without getting the gig. So it's this awful catch 22 back then. It was really bad. And you literally would lie on your resume back then, you know, mm. the internet. So you just would lie. <laughs> You're lie. like, haha. Yeah. And you get the role and then be like, Oh shoot. Did I not? Well, that's right. I'm not sad. And then you hope, hopefully they loved you enough to have hardly you. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen, I guess. Cause they said, Oh, well, let me call you back. And then they called me back and said, they gave the girl that they also liked as well behind you, the role, because she's sad and you're not. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Michelle was really mad. She was like, are you joking me? And I was pretty, I was pretty upset about it, but I was like, okay. And she went to work that night and John told John Landis that story. And he was like, oh, hell no. Tell her to show up on Saturday night at Fredericks of Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> and, I did, and he made me a $10 hooker <laughs> yes. and uh, just threw me in front of the camera and said, I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably going to get cut. It's not even in the script. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, I'm helping you out with your sad card because that's just that's just wrong. You, you know, you've got you earned that role and they should have taffed hard to you. And that was shame on them, right? So yeah. that was super cool. And here it got even better. He said, My role was so funny that he kept it in. So that there you go. Oh wow. My motto is you just never know. Like that could have devastated me, you know, taken me out at the knees and just thrown the towel in, right? But yeah. I think it's, you know. There's a lot to be said about resiliency. And if you mm-hmm. look at anthropology as cavemen, man, those people were carrying around a lot more stuff than we do, mm-hmm. um, just physically. And they still continued on to forge and hunt and what have you. And it reminds me that, you know, we are more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. So, um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And then how, so you do Into the Night, which sounds like a blast. And <laughs> then how long until uh, you go do Sybil with Sybil Shepherd? Oh, God. Uh, a long time. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I worked um, a a lot on um, a lot of independence. um, Mm -hmm. And then um, Sybil, when was Sybil? 90s? Early 90s? Oh, girl, I can't remember what I had for breakfast today. Um, <laughs> you want to be Demi? You probably find Honestly, with a career as long as yours, I probably wouldn't remember either because oh. you've done so many things over the years. And yeah. it's like, I can't, I can't even imagine. Well, and I'm also the strangest actor you're probably going to meet. I don't do it for any of the, the reasons that most people do for. Um, there, I, I, there's like, I always consider it, there's like actors, actors, and there's artists, actors. And mm-hmm. I'm an artist, actor. I do it for the art. Yeah, um, I do it for like I do it, and then I walk away. I rarely even look at my work. So I but I do look at it once after it's done, just to see if there's things I need to change. But generally, I, I trust my directors. You know, what I mean, I trust mm-hmm. I trust a few people in my life who I know um, know me well and also know what my capabilities are. And I just have to make darn sure that when I leave a scene at, at the end of the day, every scene and every day, that I gave it a hundred and ten percent because that's if that's all I got, that's all I got. You right. Know? Right. And so there's a little bit of like, um, uh, give it up and give it to the universe at that point. Give it to Mother Earth. Give it to the plants, the trees, you know, the smog in L.A. Right. Um, <laughs> because, and then trust that in, they're going to help you out in the editing room. Trust that they helped you out with a little good lighting. But, you know, yeah. Trust the gaffer liked you. Yeah. Right. So I look at it really just as more of a reference piece like, ooh, wow, they didn't like me. They're flattering. OK, that's good to know. Or 
oh, Didi, you you need to make a harder choice. That did not. I I do. I feel like other people like, oh, that was amazing, and you know, there's an element of trust there. But then a few close people around you. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then for me, I have to ask myself, um, you know, and be honest. Were you having an off day that day? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, wow, that's all I could pull from my soul that day. That was it. Right. You know? um, right. So- well, and it, it is that. As an actor, it's like you 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 go off of your own personal experience. So if you are having a rough day and yeah. you have to go to set and play somebody who's super perky and super excited, it could ruin a take for you or the entire day for you. You know, it's so true. Um, my dad died, like, in my arms, and I went to, to mm. the next day. That was hard. That was tough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you do what you have to do. I took the blanket that he died in and I wrapped it around me and I was in the set. Everyone around was amazing. This is for your love. And um, there was such genuine uh, compassion and, and, and just support for me. And like you said, then, you know, I knew that my father would want me to, when they said action, pull it together like those. Yeah. Like the that caveman who had arthritis, heart disease, five broken bones, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And he was found, you know, with an arrow in his back, carrying all of his food with mm-hmm. him going up a mountain. And he's now 80,000 years old. And you go, and he didn't have medicine back then. And that guy was fun hunting. He was done giving up, you know? Yeah. And I thought, I just kind of sometimes refer back to anthropology and have to remind myself that we, we sometimes, we do have an inner strength. You just have to tap into it. Yeah. And, um. And it does feel good when you, when you're able to, like I said to my sons, not go around it and not run from it, but go through it. It's Mm. hard. It is hard, but that's, that's a really good piece of advice is to just go through it instead of avoiding. Well, yeah. And you can then, then um, all sorts of other um, rabbit hole things pop up if you know, that happens. But again, I'm not going to say that, wow, it's easy. It's really hard. It's like you said, when you're called upon to perform and your, your head's not there, you have to. Um, I mean, I gotta say that's probably, those are the days you really earn your money. Let's just say mm. that. Right. Mm-hmm. By the way, I love this saying, and it's so true. Actors, um, get paid to wait and we act for free. Mm. It's true. I've never heard that before. I love that. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Man, when I, I, I used to like write it with ink on my hand to remind me when I was like on a set and I hear all these actors um, uh, complaining, can we cuss on this? <laughs> No, yes, my, you can cuss. My publicist has told me not to. Okay. Um, I, live, I live in the gutter. Truckers love me. Guys love me. Just, you should hear me. I'm I'm a I'm a trucker as well. Yeah, right. I just yeah, my yeah. My mom taught me how to cuss. Anyways. So um so it's not like, you know, um, so I hear them bitching. You know, I've been here for twelve hours and I'm like, wow. Can I remind you that you're working in an industry where less than one percent of actors work at any given time? Right. And now it's a pandemic. We have people people waiting in food lines. Yeah, zip it zipper, right? Where, right. Where's right? Zip it zipper. No, how about being grateful for a second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you're waiting to get in front of the camera when other people would give their left. You know what to do that. So, mm-hmm. so fill up that twelve hours with something that's important to you. Something that's also as passionate. I don't know. Take up a hobby. Bring it to work with you. You know. Text your friends. I always have books with me on set. Always. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, whatever floats your boat. Because it's also the same thing when you have downtime. Because as an actor, I spend a hell of a lot more time not working than working. Mm-hmm. I remember, and I was really miserable when I wasn't working. It was always waiting for the phone call, waiting for the gig, get the interview, then wait for the call back. And the whole thing, the whole game. And I remember my sister, Michelle, actually, who's so wise, said to me one day when I was really young, listen here, D, this is what you got to do. It's Learning how to be happy when you're working is not key because that's a given. You got to mm-hmm. know how to be happy and joyful and at peace and um, when you're not working, you know, because oh, so the, true, right? The, or the majority of your life will be miserable. And one day when you get older, you're going to look back and go, oh my God, I wasted all that time. And those are hours you're never going to get back again. Yeah. So I, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's true. So I took a sculpting male nudes. That's fine. Ooh, nice. I, nice. Well, just, well, I didn't pick the male nude. I just <laughs> been the model and I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden I love to sculpt. <laughs> so tell me about your 10 year break. What did you do during that time? You went, you said you went back to school. What did you go to school for? Um, well, at this point I was, um, my, my boys were young and I was a single mom and I had been, you know, tried to, I mean, I just drug my boys from set to set to interview, interview. I breastfed Braxton right before I went into the friends interview. He was three months old. Wow. Don't ask me how I got that. Probably <laughs> hadn't, <laughs> my breath was probably still engorged. Um, so, um, you know, took him on the set. He took the curtain call with me. So, I mean, I worked pregnant, mm. nine months pregnant when they told me not to. And I did, they would just shoot around my stomach. So I was very much um, a hard worker. I think what happened 10 years ago is I started looking at a lot of things in the world that really bothered me. Um, one of the things I filled up my time with was not, I not only just once a week sculpted a male nude, but I would um, do a lot of volunteer work, a lot. Mm. It fed my soul. And it also helped me 
put things in perspective real quick. Like doing um, volunteer work at the Children's Hospital. When you don't get that role and then you go do volunteer work the next and you're devastated and you go to the Children's Hospital and you see children with no parents being shuffled from foster care to foster care only for the buck, for the money. Mm-hmm. And they have some terminal disease or their insides were shot out with a shotgun and he has to now eat out of a bag. And he's brushing his hair because he's trying to turn on this girl down the hallway who's also in the hospital with a terminal illness. And you're like, wow, these kids are amazing. Mm. Um, they They put life in perspective. All of a sudden, right. even losing that interview, it doesn't hurt so bad. Watching, that's, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, like this kid was blown, his insides were blown out. And he oh. carried around like, you know, the, the, the IV stand thing with the, yeah. a bag. That's how he went to the restroom. He was able to eat, but it went right in the bag. And he was combing his hair and he was dressed up and he had perfume or cologne on. And I, I was just taken back at his resilience and his will to live. And he was a teenager and he was going to try to get that girl down the to look That's so me. cute. And I was like, oh, Dee Dee, shut the bleep up. <laughs> Oh, man, you didn't get an interview. Shut up. Look at this kid. And I thought, you know, so it really was beautiful. I did Project Angel Food where I dropped off food to Mm. the time people dying of AIDS. At that time, in the 80s and 90s, um, they were treated like they had leprosy. Right, yeah. And I would go into the dangerous areas where no one would would drop off food because I had a Rottweiler named Bo Cephas. And uh, Bo and I would throw them in my truck and I would go deliver the foods in the areas where no one was, everyone was afraid to deliver food to these dying men. Um, So like I said, all, I was always very conscious on social welfare issues, but 10 years ago, I started realizing, I just started seeing a lot of stuff go down that I thought, um, I want to help on a larger level. And, and at that point I wasn't getting a lot of gigs and um, I just saw a lot of change in the industry where women were not treated as fairly as men when it comes to yeah. wrinkly and heavy and losing your hair and gray. They're not considered f- sexy, but yet the guys could. could right. Get- men have gray hair and they're silver foxes and women are just like cast to the side. Yeah. Right. And I thought, and I'm raising two boys by myself. And I thought, oh, wow. I'm not sure if I can do this. So I didn't quit. I put a permanent pause, but I said, yeah, again, my sis, she's clear one of my good friends. I said, you know, I think I want to, I want to help people. I don't know what that looks like. And she goes, you know, she's, I think she said, or I said, let's go to college. And I said, Hey, why not? Yeah. I went to college. I walked up to uh, Pierce college, walked up there and said, Hey, who do I talk to about getting a degree to help people? (laughs) (laughs) And I talked to this guy and he was like, so which degree do you want? I said, I don't know. You tell me. He said, no, no, that's not how this works. You tell me. (laughs) But I don't never done this before. I graduated high school in '82, barely. <laughs> computers, we were shoved through. Uh, we didn't do these. I don't know anything. And he was like, "Oh Lord." And he said, "Well, do you want to be a psych major?" I said, "Well, what does that do? Is help people?" I said, "Okay, I'll do." That. Sounds great. Sign me up. Well, hence, considering how um, uneducated and I didn't know what I was doing. Okay, I can say ignorant. Ignorant means without knowledge. That right. Um, it's yeah. So I considering I was ignorant going in across the board, like with every single thing. Um, it took me 10 years because first of all, the prerequisites were crazy. Cause I didn't even understand why there was an X in the, mm. in why is it two plus X equals five? Is, I think that's, a oh, that's a typo. No idea. Math does not make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I go, that's a typo. They're like, that's algebra. I said, what? And they're like, oh. <laughs> and then they told me to write, this is the funniest part. They told me to write a, write a, a paragraph or whatever 
about this prompt. I didn't know what the prompt was. They said, just read that up there and then comment and write on it. I said, okay. So give me some prompt about some issue. And I wrote two pages, very opinionated. Mm-hmm. I think it was two longest sentences they'd ever read. Maybe a comma in there, misspelled oh, words. <laughs> and it wasn't even run on sentence. I just kept writing and writing and did not even, <laughs> I didn't know how to write. So I just wrote, I thought they wanted my opinion and I didn't know how to, yeah, I didn't understand about paragraph structure or mm. any any of that. So they were like, oh, Lord, she can't even write this math. <laughs> an X in the math equation. So I had a lot of prerequisites. So, um, and again, I was raising two boys, so I couldn't do full time a lot. Yeah. But I did go year round. Like if I couldn't get full credits that year, I would take a summer class. or right. So I went year round for 10 years. And it was wow. simply, yeah, simply. And then again, again, it was that same philosophy. I'm not giving up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's that I need to do it. Yeah, and I wanted to give up. Oh, trust me, it was really hard. I'm a right brain person. I'm not left. So um, it took me a long time to figure it. it by the time I figured it out, I graduated. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then I was finishing my master's when David, out of nowhere, texted me. He never texts me. We don't have that relationship. We're very, we're very tight family, but we're um, we see each other on holidays and we love each other, but we don't mm-hmm. shop ever. We we talk about life. We don't talk about shop. Right. That's Which me. is how it should be. Yeah, yeah. That's why I never. I, I think Shell's doing a movie right now. I don't even know. I'll find out probably when someone else tells me that it's our <laughs> and then I will have missed it. Um, same thing with David's shows. <laughs> I don't even know his show. I'm very busy. So, um, and my family forgives me because they know it's not out of uh, neglect or rudeness or not caring. It's I very busy in social welfare issues, raising my children, right. boys the best I can. And now, well, and I think that's also a good balance because you do have a family that's based in the industry. You guys can't be sitting there talking about the industry all the time because then you want to talk about each other and what matters. Well, yeah, and you know, if you think about it, on the magnitude in which Shell and David work, um, you know, it's so intense when you're at that level. Yeah, it's so encompassing. I can only imagine because I'm not at that level. But even just kind of like right now, being on the show, it's it's. I forgot how. Uh, um, there's a lot of responsibilities that go with it. Like I'm over here checking my cussing because I am on a network show, not a mm-hmm. show. So my publicist Turk is like, honey, please watch the language. Don't be dropping. <laughs> You're on a major network. Oh, well, that's right. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, there, you have a responsibility, you know, um, yeah. so, but for them, so when we're, when we see each other, they don't want to be talking shop, you know, any more than, you know, me when I was in school and struggling with the paper, you know, they're like, how's school? I'm like, oi. <laughs> oi. <laughs> I, I got a 15-page paper and I haven't started it, you know, and I'm staring at the page going, uh, earth, open up and swallow me. And nothing's coming out of my head. Or I just <laughs> a, a midterm and now the pressure's on me to get A's across the board so that I get my grades so I can get my financial aid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, D.D. Pfeiffer. Yes, financial aid. That's right. Yeah, because there you go. Um <laughs> So tell tell me about Big Sky. Tell me about this new show that you're on because oh it looks super super good. It is so good, girl. Let me. Oh my god, Big Sky. It's hard to describe without giving away stuff that's fun to discover. So I'm just gonna say it's a wild ride. Buckle up. Every episode's gonna leave you for more, more, more for sure. <laughs> uh, let's just say this: nothing really surprises me anymore, especially at my young age. If 56. Um, but when I read the pilot, <laughs> I reread the last two pages three times. Mm. I went, did I read that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, excuse me. Um, yeah. Is this a twist? What happened? I was like, what, 
you what? And I read it again and I went, get the F out. No way. And I just called, I texted my sister. I said, your, sus, your, sus, your husband is out of his mind. I, I was like, this is going to, well, big sky is, is, is competitive with the cable shows uh, without being cable. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. It to be um, a little less than cable, but more than network. So, right. so no one better than David to do that. And it's an eclectic cast, diverse cast. The storylines are fabulous. It does start off as, you know, where these two girls go. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will probably never do a road trip again. (laughs) I know. It's funny. I took a massive road trip with my best friend a few years ago when she was moving back to Connecticut. And had the show come out before then, I'm not sure we would have gone. Oh, yeah. That's and that's not all of it. I mean, that's just the beginning. And it just opens up all these other storylines and characters. And some of it's a little uncomfortable. Some of it's, you know, uh, charged is a better, I would say. Um, Just I love how colorful the cast is. I love how colorful the characters Mm. are. Um, they're dangerously colorful. Some, you know, some have language where language where even I would I would go, ooh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought, ooh, the audience is gonna just gobble this up. And and honestly, we're we're everyone's COVID fatigued and tired. And um, we, I think we all need a little something new to look forward to, to ch- and to check out for an hour. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh, when does, when does that premiere? November 17th. Is that right? Yes. And I'm going to look because I might have just said yes to. <laughs> I was, I was trying to remember. I think it's yeah. November 17th. Yeah. November 17th. And I, I believe we're doing this whole like online thing. See, remember you're talking to someone who's not very electronically savvy. I've this, I just got an Instagram account literally when I started this because I was asked politely like to do that yeah. so that I could promote. Get on social media. My manager's like, you have to do social media. And I'm like, no, I refuse. <laughs> and he's, then I got on the show and he's like, guess what? I go, I know, I know I have to do it now. So, um, but I don't do Twitter or Facebook just because mm. I just, uh, I don't want to get too obsessive about it because I have an yeah. obsessive uh, personality and I get my feelings hurt really quickly. And um like somebody on social the- media, then stay off of, yeah, right? <laughs> stay off of it. And I only help do like the show stuff. My boys won't let me put pictures of them on there, which is actually fine. So I put Aww. my cat, my dog and our rescue cockatoo on there, you know, just fun, fluffy stuff. That's cute. And I promote my sister's perfume, Henry Rose, Henry Rose, Henry Rose. Her, Ooh. her perfume is amazing. I'm oh. going to have to try that out. Oh, all I have to say is, Oh my God. OMG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> emoji here. Yeah. I'm not saying it's cause it's, it's not like she needs the money guys. So it's not like I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to help her out that way. <laughs> it's I'm from the, um, the, the disco days, you know, and, and the, uh, new romantic days and the uh, punk rock days. And, you know, they, that, where we go dancing, dancing was what, you know, our heroine. And we would wear this crazy, you know, like sandalwood and opium and all these. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right. It was really like sandalwood. You know, we just wore all these, perfumes and they, they we've lost track of that time frame when it comes to perfumes and shell has somehow captured it and that's what drives me crazy i'm like this reminds me of odyssey or seven seas in la when we'd be dancing illegally and drinking um <laughs> so tell me dd you've been in this business for forever you yeah. have to have a story up your sleeve of a role that got away or a funny audition story what, what do you got for me Okay, girlfriend, first of all, it, it's, it's like, which one? Um, <laughs> after 30 plus years, a lot got away from me. 
um, let's just say that back in the day, there was a group of us that would always see each other on in interview rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And there was two in particular. Um, well, one was um, Patricia Arquette. Whenever I saw oh, see, Patricia wasn't huge then. We were just all working actors, right? And right. um, then True Romance, I think it was. And I was like, oh, no. That just put her on the map. So when I'd see her in the inter- audition room, I'd be like, no, not Patricia, you know? And, uh, Patty, stay away. Yeah. And then I, nothing, I was never more happy than when she would get the role. Because that means she's off the audition, you know, uh, block. Like she's 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 um, right. busy for a she's while. She's occupied for a second. You <laughs> yeah. can take over. People would be like, oh my God, can you, can you believe Patricia got that? And I was like, no, that's good. She's off the, she's out of here for a minute. She, you know, she's free. <laughs> You know, we I can actually be competitive in the other roles that are coming up now for a minute until she gets, you know, available again. And then there was probably one that I didn't even realize at the time was just uh, heartbreaking. Um, it was Jerry Maguire. I read that for that. And, <gasps> and here's the thing. I had, I don't remember who represented me. I went in without having read the script. Back then, you had to be of the A caliber actor in any agency to actually get the script. The rest of us- right sides literally and if you did get the script it was huge it was literally like you won the lotto and you would drive to the agency they would leave it outside and you would pick that's how you'd do it right this is old school man right we used to like i said we were resilient my right actors and so i didn't get the script because at that point i wasn't considered that caliber of actor so i went in with only the sides and i read and he the director said Oh my God, that was really fantastic. And I said, Oh, thank you. And he says, and so you, so you read the script and, and I said, Oh no, I haven't. And he said, what? And I mm. said, Oh no, no, I never read the script. And he of course looks over at the casting director and she's like, Oh, I don't know why you didn't get it. And um, <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. Don't even get me. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then he, I said, no, I didn't get it. And he goes, I can't believe you just gave me that performance without having read the script. And I said, Oh, well, thank you. I have no idea who this guy is. Right. And, right. um, or anything about it. So, um, and as I was reading, he was jumping around the room. It was just really an incredible, never experienced an interview quite like that. Um, and I was really excited. And then something happened with the cast manager. I don't remember, some, something weird. But then guess who read for it after me or before me? I'm not sure, or after me. But I was ahead. I was a very much, I think, um, close to getting that one. And then, oh, God, what's her name who got that? It, uh, oh, oh, crap. Why am I blanking right now? Renee. Renee Zellweger. There it is. Yeah, you know I know her name, right? Um, who, again, is a sweetheart. I love these girls, by the way. We're all, like, from the same generation. Um, yeah. But then Renee got it. And then Jolie, Angelie Jolie got um, Gia over me. Uh, that director loved me, loved me. And then then after me read um, Angelie, and then I just got booted to the side. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, girl, I got close to a lot of stuff. So, um it's funny because second place seems to be like my uh, comfy zone. Um, but, you know, like my philosophy is eventually those who are in first place have to be be busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm sure you've noticed this over the years, too. It's like, especially in this industry, people become obsessed with somebody for a short amount of time. And then you don't see that actor again for like the next 15 years and other actors come in. Well, I can tell you there's something good about that. I like to consider myself recycled. <laughs> you know, they've seen me in a long time. They're like, what the hell happened to you, Fiverr? And you're right. I was like, I was off trying to save the world. And I got a master, master's in psychology and a master's in social work. And now I'm acting. So it's like, I, yeah. So, um. So uh, what's nice is that, you know, coming back after 10 years um, is kind of cool because I'm yeah. the response is really so beautiful. They're like, wow, thank, hey, welcome back. And I'm like, wow, thank you. That's so nice of you to even remember you know, who I am anymore. And, um, and I'm seeing 
now that I'm actually watching TV again after 10 years, I was kind of studying for 10 years straight. I watch <laughs> TV and I see a lot of my old friends coming back. And, yeah. and I go, oh, we're all being recycled. That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, that's not a, a derogatory or – I think it's beautiful. I think it's great. Yeah. You all should be recycling. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> not nice to not recycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dee Dee, I am so happy that you came on the show today. I can't wait to watch Big Sky. Uh, where can people follow you? You said you have an Instagram. Do you, What's your handle on there? Um, it's uh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer Official. Because I didn't know that somebody else had stolen my name and has been out oh, there. Oh God! And I guess there's a Twitter account out there. That's not me. I I don't know who. Someone's tweeting for me too. I just said I hope they're saying positive, nice things in the world and not making yeah. me like a jack uh, donkey's butt. Because <laughs> right? Because that's not how I am. It's not how I fly. You know. So I mean, I think it's funny someone's stealing stealing my identity. I just don't want them to represent me in a negative way. So yeah. I'm. Being- official and you'll see on my on my posts that I'm just so like easy breezy and lovey and can we just all get along and <laughs> can't we all just Where's get along? the middle in here <laughs> <laughs> well thank you again so much for coming on the show it was a pleasure to talk to you and get to know you and I cannot wait to see um all the things that you do next because I feel like you're you're gonna get on that roll again yeah watch Denise I'm a redhead now so that's fun so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Dee Dee for coming on to the show. It was so nice to uh, to meet you. Happy we got to talk. I love the show. Uh, I love doing the show because I get to meet so many fantastic people who have had incredible and inspiring lives, and it's uh, it's really a gift. I love it. Tune in next week. I don't know who's going to be on, but uh, we'll do another show, and it'll be great. Make sure to tell your friends and your family and whoever else you want to uh, subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it now. You can follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new or perhaps something very very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwein is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Echo meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.